CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday. No, sorry. Today is Tuesday, December the 12th. Uh, you're going to listen to this, I guess, on Wednesday. Um, we are going to um, have a little bit of a retrospective, at least in football, and a little bit of a perspective or prospective. Prospective is the right word, right? right. Uh, in hoops, we're going to talk uh, some of our... Um, memories or favorite plays or what have you of this past football season, things that stand out to us. And then we're going to talk about some ACC hoops um, just sort of because of the way the, the schedule breaks. Um, but before I get all hall monitor on you, let me uh, go around and introduce everybody up in uh, Fishersville. David Spence is back on the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing, man. Appreciate you asking. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber's also on the show. How are you, my friend? Doing all right, Brad. Doing all right. Thank you for asking. You're at welcome. Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, I'm very glad Dave was able to join us. Uh, he sent me a picture or sent us a picture earlier of a of a half-finished, or he probably wouldn't say half-finished uh, shop. Uh, so obviously some some nice upgrades going on in, um, in the business. So uh, best of luck to you on that front. Nobody wants to talk about it. Um, so let's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, met, I mentioned uh, Hall Monitor. Okay, so this week we're going to talk, as I said, about some football, basketball stuff. And then because of where Christmas falls, my guess would be that next week we'll have our sort of military bowl show um, where we will discuss the bowl game. Uh, I don't know that any of us really wants to try to squeeze a podcast in um, Christmas night or the day after Christmas before uh, the 28th. Uh, or at least not the twenty. I guess we could do one on the twenty seventh and run it that morning of the of that Thursday because Ferber and I are going to be in the same place because he's going to let me like crash on his couch. Um, so we could do floor. that, Dave. Uh, what did you say? Floor? I'm just kidding. That's not nice. <laughs> no, no, no. Th- 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 that's not a good joke. That's not funny. Um, Dave, are you, have you decided? Are you going up twenty on the twenty seventh that Wednesday? Or are you? What are you doing? My my hope is I go up on the morning of the twenty eighth. Twenty seventh is a no go okay. for me with construction. So okay, so next week we will talk uh, military bowl, and then um, we will. Uh, I guess we'll have to also squeeze in a little bit of a BC preview because I feel bad that we're gonna have a podcast. We're not gonna have a podcast before UVA opens ACC play. Anyway, okay, let's. Uh, Dave, this was your idea. Um, for a topic to, to sort of look back at some of the um, some of our favorite sort of plays from this past football season. Um, I will I'm just gonna I'm gonna preface this entire section of the show by essentially uh, offering a mea culpa because I'm not very good. Y'all are really good at like remember on this third and seven against Duke in 2011 and I'm like, what? Uh, I don't remember the plays sort of on that level. I, I remember games a lot of times. But I don't necessarily remember plays. So I'm going to apologize in advance that I, if I screw this up. Um, but Dave, kind of explain to the people uh, what you were thinking, and we'll kind of go from there. Well, I guess with Virginia Sports TV released like t- their top five plays of the season um, for Virginia football this year, and I didn't see any of my like top three on that list, so it kind of got me. Thinking, and that's why you okay. pay me the big bucks, Brad. That's <laughs> the big bucks. All right, so so let's uh, let's say we're gonna do um, let's say we're gonna do three each. We'll try to we'll try to do three. Each. I'm gonna lead because, like I said, I don't remember plays. So I'm not gonna I'm not ri- I'm not gonna risk y'all taking my plays. I think my favorite play of the season 
Um, I, I would love to go for the Lavroni catch, um, but I think my favorite play of the season was one of the touchdowns against Miami. I don't remember where in the order it was, but it was a one to O that he took. And I mean, I just thought it was an excellent play call. Um, ball out, key catches, and, and, the, and essentially the motion of the catch carries him back to the middle of the field. But the play itself has essentially forced all the defensive players to sort of go to the boundary. Um, and, and he turns it in and just rolls. Um, that to me, I don't want to say that's, that's what the ideal is, but that's, that's a perfect situation of getting the right player, the, the ball in the right, in the right place, uh, and, and doing something with it. Like you could see, and we've talked a lot about how Virginia's offense at times this year, or maybe the last two years felt like a bunch of sentences, not a, not a paragraph. That was one where you could see the whole thing sort of developing. Um, so for me, I think that might be, that might be my favorite player of the, uh, of the season, as I look back on it, uh, Ferber, let's go to you. Uh, what? Give me, give me one of your 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 top plays. I'll say Lavroni's touchdown against Georgia Tech that won the game. Um, that was a pretty ball. Yeah, great throw, great catch. Uh, punctuated a huge drive when you know they had a lot of reasons to fold at that point, considering how Georgia Tech marched down the field and scored late. And you know, it was a great example of how the offense just sometimes looked better when they were going quicker and. I mean, obviously there's reasons for that. Like at the end of games, defenses are not playing as tight, so it's easier to complete passes underneath. But I think they, you know, Bankard had like a, a deep out to Zacchaeus, and then I think there was like another couple plays, and then he hit that touchdown. And um, that was a huge play, in, you know, in terrible weather. And obviously, you know, it, it got the monkey off their back after two really rough weeks, and it started to look like bowl eligibility was slipping away even earlier in that game. So... That's definitely one that I'll remember going forward. Uh, Dave, before we before – we, I do want to mention something. I think we, we'll talk about plays here, and I and I, I know that there's still one game to play, but I, I think for me the indelible entire memory of, of this season will be that game. Just just the weirdness of it. I, I remember that list Ferber put together, and it was like the craziest thing I'd ever seen uh, of just all the stuff that happened in that game and the fact that UVA went from down a point to down 15 – in like 35 seconds and then still came back to win that game. Then there was a rain aspect. But the, the reason I'm, I'm thinking about it is he talked about like the bad weather. And I'm like, they, when they got that, when they received that, I just had no, I had no semblance or no, excuse me, no confidence that they were going to like, I just, I was like, yeah, hmm, this, this kind of sucks because the rain had just started. That was a pretty uh, incredible drive uh, as, as we sort of look back on it. All right, Dave, give me one of yours. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I could probably make a list of 10 that would all be from that Georgia Tech game. It's one of my favorite <laughs> games ever. I mean, so true. It was such a great game. But my number one, uh, Justin, the LeBron Lee touchdown Georgia Tech was one of my one of mine, so I'll come up with another one. But my number one, y'all didn't mention, um, I'll preface it a little bit. You know, I sit in the end zone, have for many years, and, and I'm kind of that guy who can see it developing because I've been there so long. So I'm that guy with his arms up when the guy's open. Like, I'm that annoying guy. Um, but the one play this year that I didn't see coming, and I I pretty much turned to the, my turned to Terrence to my left and said, uh, that's a touchdown, was was Brenton Nelson's interception against Georgia Tech. I think it's, my, it's easily my favorite play of the year because I was legitimately surprised despite my vantage point because looking forward, he wasn't in my field division. I'm, I'm up in the stands a little bit. Um, if if he doesn't make that play, that's a touch. That's six for Georgia Tech, and I don't think Virginia comes back. Um, that was just 
he came out of nowhere and boom, there he was. Um, I can still remember <laughs> Terrence's face when the interception happened and my jog down the empty bleachers in the end zone to enjoy it. So by far I I my s- number one. I think Ferber, tell me, I think I said, oh, he's wide open. And then, yeah, I mean, he was, it just, he was so open. (laughs) I remember I saw the ball, like the, from where we sit, the trajectory of the ball is something pretty easy to see. We can see, you know, like a punt, you can see how high it goes, like how fast the ball is moving. And that, I mean, that dude just doesn't have any arm strength. Like I was watching that ball and I was like, this is going to get picked off if somebody can get there. And then he just kind of came up and got it. Um, There was another player on the other side of the field. It might've been Quinn who was also converging on the ball and he just didn't get there fast enough. And Nelson just made it like, and it was an awesome catch too. Um, You know, he kind of had to lay out for it, but it was like, I just remember thinking like, Oh, that's a touchdown. And then the ball hung up for so long that I was like, Oh, he's going to get tackled at the, at the minimum. And then of course he got picked off. So that was an awesome play. I think that game, we could have a top, we could have nine plays from just that game. Agreed. (laughs) I'm going to try not to, because it's too easy, but yeah. What I love about that specific play too is what Dave said that if he doesn't pick that off like that that that's one of those plays because if correct me if I'm wrong here I don't have the um the box in front of me but Virginia didn't do anything with the ball right like then they end up punting it I after, think they so, punted and then got the safety right so it's not like that interception directly led to points it eventually did but you see what I mean like it's not like they got an interception and then seven plays later they scored right. Like yeah, I feel like that that was right after we had come back to tie the game back up, wasn't it? I mean, it was close uh, somewhere in there. See, I don't have my I, UVA I was it. definitely winning when he when he made yeah, but but that, I think Dave's point is, is well taken yeah. that like had they had he not intercepted, had he not broke on that ball when he did and closed. Seriously, it was one of the most incredible closes on a ball I've ever seen. It, it like it, in, in any game ever, like ever. But he doesn't do that. I mean, like, I think it's fair to say Georgia Tech scores, and, I mean, that dramatically changes the outlook of that game. I think that was probably the – I'm not going to say that the early season stuff that, that that Brenton did didn't, like, didn't prove himself to me because that's not what I, that where I'm coming from. But that was – the that one play was the – this kid is not just really good. He's he's special. Like, that's a – that's just – that's not a play other people can make. Um and there's something, I mean, like, I'm not saying, you know, he's going to go on to a 12 year NFL career or anything, but you can, you can do a lot with a kid who can make plays like that. I think, uh, that's a good pick. Um, let's see, is it my turn? Yeah, it's my turn. Um, I'm going to go with Quinn's interception return for a touchdown. Um, <laughs> that one, nobody saw cause everybody that- <laughs> was at the gates. <laughs> yeah. I was going to choose that one, but I honestly didn't see it. So Sorry. he honestly yeah. didn't see it. First, it was like I, the first play of the game or something. It was, it, Look, for that kid, I, look, that guy has been – I understand that when, when you get a five-star player, right, you get a five-star player and you expect just huge, huge things from him because there aren't but so many five-stars in any given year. And he wasn't just a five. I mean, he was a top 10, top 15, depending on what service you were looking at, kind of kid. So for him to to do that and and just – be for him to 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 be who he was to do that and and to pick Virginia and we all we remember that whole thing. But what my point here is that he's he's been extremely consistent. And I know for a lot of people, you, maybe they watch him, and they say, well, he's a safety, but he's not his, his coverage skills aren't that great, and yada yada yada. And I'm not gonna debate you on that front. I'm just saying that for what UVA needed, he his consistency and certainly his decision to come back were huge. 
but it was really nice to see that kid get in the end zone that day because it was something um, he'd never done before. And I'll never forget he came to the post game. Um, let me give you like some a, a real brief like the way this works is we go into a room, uh, we sit down, we wait for Bronco. If the team wins, then we talk to players. If they lose, we get to we get an eye. Um, when we we go in the back of the room, we wait for players, and essentially it's just a whole bunch of media people standing around waiting for somebody. Typically, what happen is one or two will, will, will kind of straggle in. The the horde will split up in, in various spots. I happen to be waiting for Quinn because his was the was the video I really wanted, and he is not historically a, a talker. Like Quinn is, he's he's really good. If if you get him off the record, or you can just talk to him without cameras or recorders, he's great. But he's very cliche when he sits down. I mean, he he kind of not only say he hides behind him, but he he finds safety in just not saying much. Like he's just not a big talker. That night, he was as animated and as um, verbose as uh, as honest. Like he was just like his personality kind of came out, and so it was great for me to see him get that. It, it, and funny funny enough, like he almost didn't get there. Um, was it Jordan Mack that had to clear the last guy out for him up Ferber? Wasn't it? It was it was J Mac right yeah. that had to clear the he guy. He blew up Daniel Jones, which is <laughs> ironic because he did it last year too. Yeah, uh, or he, coincidental or whatever. Yeah, right. He had so he blows up uh, Daniel Jones, Ferber's favorite quarterback, and and springs him. Um, I just I don't know. I will always remember that play. Um, as for a guy who doesn't remember a lot of plays, I'll remember that one. Uh, Ferber, what's your next one? Yeah, so this one I feel like people might not remember. Um, North Carolina game, Carolina comes back and takes the lead after looking dead in the first half. Uh, they had two long runs. I think one was for a touchdown and one set them up for a touchdown. And it, it didn't look good for UVA. UVA's offense had kind of struggled to that point, but they were up 10 nothing at halftime, so it looked pretty good. And then Bankert hits Zacchaeus in the flat, and he takes it 81 yards to the house. And that pretty much ended the game. And that was the one down the left sideline, right? It was the near side on, on yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's just the only guy on the team that can do that. Like, he just he just took the game and was like, yeah, I'll just make one big play. I mean, that was a five yard play and he turned it into eighty yards. Like, that's just that's that's why he needs the ball as much as possible because he's he's the one guy on the team that can do that. You know, on short plays, turn short plays into long plays, and that was a huge play. I mean, that that ended up you know maybe being the difference in that game. Carolina kind of came on late to try to come back, but. Honestly, the only reason they had a chance to come back is because UVA kind of squandered some opportunities. But, you know, he wasn't going to let them squander that one. What about you, Dave? Give me your next one. Well, first of all, Ferber. <laughs> Ferber's like cheating on my homework over here. I mean, I had a list of six because I figured we still some. And Ferber took my number three with his first choice and my number two with his second. So I appreciate it, man. Um, so I'll move on to my number four, <laughs> which, is, Great, which I'll I use as like my Dave. number two. Believe it or not – I, and this is another one people not might not remember, and it's it's kind of silly, but um, it was uh, Lebron Ace. It was like a seventy. I'm trying to pull this. Yeah, seventy three yard uh, touchdown he had late in the game against UConn, which meant nothing. But it was like the first time we saw Andre Lebron, who we've heard about for so many years. Like he, you remember he caught a little ball out in the flat and he turned it and he was gone. Um, and it's just it was the first glimpse first time we saw him like put it in everything he had been talking about got put into play and it ended up being you know a precursor of what was to come for the next few weeks so kind of a cop-out because it was number four on my list but yeah i like it all right i'm gonna for my third choice um 
I don't want to take two, but I'm going to mention another one in, in reference to this one. All right. The best deep ball I have ever seen, I didn't actually see in person. And that will that will bite me until, until the day somebody throws a better one. And I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with the pass to Lavroni against Tech was easily the, the hardest catch I've ever seen. Um, it's probably to me better than than Severin's stab against Miami, um, just because like he Willie mazed it, but then he's in between two guys and there's just so much going on. Like I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's a it's a, a slap in the face to to, to Andre to say there's a little luck involved in that one, right? But but the best deep throw I've ever seen was the one at Boise State. I mean, I, I think Kirk could throw that ball a hundred times. And I just wonder if the timing would ever be as perfect as it was on that that pitch and catch. It was just, it. I, I remember seeing some random person on Twitter days later uh, with a gif of it, being like, "Who is this? <laughs> Who is the quarterback?" You know what I mean? Like, and it it will it will be a play that will be in my mind for a long, long time. And the next, the best, whatever the next deep ball is, that it, it will get in my in my mind at least will get compared to that. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, the the Lavroni catch against Tech because it was such a hard one will be sort of. I want to almost say like it will be his best play, right? Because I, I mean, like, look, if you get Bronco Mendenhall to say "Holy cow," um, you've probably done a pretty good job, right? Um, but to me, that ball that Ben Kirk throws uh, at Boise State is. I don't want to say it's a play of the season um, because I don't know. I, I don't know. To me, when you say things like that, there's got to be some bigger meaning to it. And only thing I could make an argument for that would be they got confidence on the blue turf that they 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 played with at times for the rest of the year. Um, but realistically, I don't know how much it moved the needle. But, man, it was one heck of a throw. Uh, Ferber, what's your next one or your last one? Yeah, so I kind of went back and forth on this. A um, couple different choices. I'm going to go with the one that happened in a win, uh, just because it happened in a win, is uh, Kurt's like, scramble, improvisation, uh, moving around the pocket and finding like throwing a perfect ball to Donnie Dowling, who got separation from his defender against Duke and then dove into the end zone. Um, obviously, the penalty wasn't, wasn't memorable in a good way, but that, that kind of put the punctuation mark on that game. They put him up two touchdowns. And that was a game where we were, you know, still wondering whether what UVA did at Boise State was legitimate, uh, whether they were going to be a competitive team, and and Duke came in. I think Duke was favored in that game, or or it was right around Pickham or something. Um, and and when he scored that touchdown, I mean, I knew the game was over. And then you can start to look at okay, this is a four and one team, and they could do some damage this year. So I think that was a remarkable play. There's a few others that happened in losses that that I could mention, but I I think I'll just go with ones that happened in wins. That's fair. All right, Dave, what about you? Going back to the game that had them all, Georgia Tech. Um, <laughs> um, the Joe Reed kickoff return. I mean, yeah, it was a remarkable play, and not only because like I like Joe Reed a lot. Like <laughs> you know, he's just like if there's a prototypical like a guy who who's embraces the culture and is a good kid comes from you know a good family and he's a remarkable athlete who was probably a little overlooked out of out of high school it's joe and that play um not only 
you know, I think Georgia Tech had just taken a lead late in the first half. Um, I think it was late in the first half, and, and Joe took it back. Um, yeah, there was like two minutes left in the half. Yeah, and you know, and, and Terrell John uh, Jano threw the big block to to free him after Joe almost stumbled and kind of kept himself balanced on another guy. Just for for a team, not only just for Joe for who he is and, and the team in that game, but as a program that's kind of struggled in special teams to finally see one taken to the house, it was big for me. So you're right. We, we should have just like talked about our favorite place for Georgia Tech. <laughs> that well, what was a remarkable was on, game. So wait, uh, what else, what so other good. ones are left on your list, Dave? What other ones are left on your well, list? Well, Ferber stole two of them. Um, the other one was uh, the only one we didn't bring up, the only one I haven't talked about, which would have been six on my list, was, uh, and it's kind of, it was in a loss, which was, reason it was six was that between the legs handoff to Chris Sharp against Louisville. Um, just cause like, again, when, when a play surprises me, like I didn't see that coming. Um, and, and Sharp leaped like four yards into the end zone too. So the rest of that, that game, not so much. I feel like there was an Andrew Brown play like a shiver. Like I feel like it was at Georgia tech too. I just remember, I'm, like I said, I'm not good at remembering plays. I remember Drew essentially sh- like take like shedding his block, coming down the line, and then just eating some like swallowing some dude whole. Um, but I guess maybe he did that several times. I guess the the Nelson not Nelson sorry the um, Snowden um, play. Um, which game was that? Uh, that was Duke. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, like. That's aided by the fact that, like, I think we have now decided the the lore will say it was his first play of the day, okay? But that's not technically true. He, I think, he was in on a kickoff or a kickoff return earlier in the day. But from scrimmage, I believe it was his second play um, of the day. I think I think that's what one of the guys told me. I can't. You want to take a bet on which freshman linebacker makes a game saving play against Duke next year? No, what it was was I think what it was was he played two plays. And that right. was the play, the first play, and then he played the next play. So, and those were his, and that was the last play of the game for Duke. Right. So, for for a kid like yeah. him to be in a spot like that and come through the way he did, I mean, I know for folks, I know for folks who 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 are really into like star rankings and ratings and class, you know, ranks, but you know, this and that. I'm not saying don't be excited about that. Please continue to support rivals. I love it, but. Bronco does have a does have a just has a knack for like finding a way to make these dudes uh, into something pretty quick, you know. Um, he well, also, I mean, it doesn't really matter how many stars you are when you're six foot seven and can run that fast. Well, that's like, the thing too. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he ran Daniel Jones down. <laughs> like, and that's one of the the fun things about sort of looking to the future is as we talk about you know, and we'll have plenty of time to 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 yak on and on and on about. Um, the future of, of Virginia football and next season and, you know, a, a defense that's going to lose Quinn and Micah and Drew, um, a defense that's going to return Tim Harris. For, for me, one of the things to watch will be what happens with Snowden and, and Elliot Brown because that is a lot of length and a lot of athleticism that's coming at you in a hurry. Um, when you put some more weight on those kids and they kind of get a feel for you know how to use that length. I mean, like they're they really are just pups. Um, but that play really kind of exemplified just sort of, in my opinion, how good a job 
Bronco and and his assistants at that coach the linebackers uh, Hunter and uh, Papinga do with getting those kids ready, um, and I think that's going to be something you're going to you know on the, at least on the defensive side of the ball, if a kid plays early, Mandy Alonzo, um, he's going to do pretty well, and I think uh, I think that play sort of is a nice example of that. I guess um, the Jordan Mack play from last year was another one. Although I guess by that point in the season he had had a lot of burn. Um, you know, by necessity. Um, I want to go. I, I I was tempted to say the worst play, and I'm sure it's gonna. All of us would pick if we were if we were, wrote our 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 choice and then revealed it to each other. It would be the um one of those times that Kirk flicked the ball, um on the sideline. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which I, I think, like how you're like, yep, that's gotta be, that's it. it doesn't that's, even matter. What yeah. The let's, uh, yeah. Is. This, that's the, that's the Vladimir Putin running for a reelection of, of, uh, of this conversation. I actually have a different one. Really? Um, All right. Let, let's hear it. Yeah, Maybe not the worst either. play, but like the one that stuck out in my mind is like, Oh, that was bad. And that was, well, actually let me, let me make two points. The individual play that I remember being like, this is bad was Indiana they had the backup quarterback in, and he ran for like a 30-yard touchdown. Oh, yeah, that was it, yeah. He just kind of like ran around for 30 yards and scored. And I was like, oh, they're going to lose to Indiana. Like, it kind of looked good early. The defense is playing well, and they had the lead, and then Indiana just kind of rallied once they put the other quarterback in. Also, everything that happened in the first half of the Boston College game, scene. Yeah. There were like four long touchdowns in that. I mean, you can pick, pick one, whichever one you want. <laughs> Yeah, you could go to the Boston College game much like on the bad side, much like you went to the Georgia Tech game on the good side. It was, it was just a bad. Yeah, game. it was like a, it was like a, it was like a gift bag of of bad treats. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know how they say like you're not supposed to take like homemade stuff from your neighbor <laughs> on Halloween. Like that's it was just a bag of that apples with razor blades in it. A big bucket of yuck, as I like to say. Yeah, I mean it was Anthony Brown, dude we'd never heard of. You know, like throwing the ball to tight ends who were just wide open. For four quarters. And how many times of that week did I write his name as Andrew? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> there was they way like too many. 300 Ugh. yards passing on like 18 yards in the air. I mean, it was a bad day. Yeah. yeah, and then it was like everything that happened subsequently was bad. I mean, they didn't really get the offense going. Then they're like, all right, let's try to get Lindell Stone some burn. And he throws a pick six on his first throw. Yeah. Um, or whatever it was. Yeah. So, I mean, it just it was just all around bad. And then they followed it up with the pit game, which also had – I mean the Quadri Henderson return, like that was pretty bad. My, I mean, um, honestly, my least favorite play would be not for what it did for the game, but Okanda, but Andrew Andrew getting ejected against Tech. Like I hate to bring it up and pick on the guy, but like he, you know, he finally turned his career around the last couple of years. That was such a crappy way to have to walk off the field at Scott Stadium for the last time. Yeah, I mean, I think the most damaging play this season was probably Chris Sharp's fumble. In that game. It was, yeah, that's definitely it. I mean, I'm not putting it on him. No, it was a. I mean, that's one of those deals where I mean, it just was like a bad luck play. The ball. I mean, the helmet on the, right it. on the ball, and 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 I mean, it wasn't even like he was doing anything he shouldn't have been doing. Um, it was a good run too. He had like eight yards. Yeah, yeah, he gained a se- several yards. And um, I mean, that was the first drive of the half. They'd already picked up a first down, and they were down three nothing. So I mean, you could see a scenario where they could have went down and scored. They were almost to the fifty when he fumbled it. So. I mean, yeah, that, and that kind of, I mean, Tech went down and, and took that and drove like 40 yeah. yards for a touchdown. So, I mean, like that was pretty much the game at that point. Well, 
uh, I think it's always good to to end on a on a crappy note. <laughs> on a depressing um, note. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but obviously there will be lots of plays uh, that will will linger for for a lot of folks uh, from the season. Um, speaking of uh, of seasons, whew, awkward segue. Um, let's talk about uh, basketball. Obviously, the Cavaliers go into um, into their exam break at eight and one. Um, I think one thing that Tony Bennett said on the teleconference earlier today uh, that really stood out to me was the idea of having that third score. And I feel like we had this conversation several years ago when the when the program was sort of in the same place on, on, along the build. Um, with the idea being that, um, that they, that they need, they know who their one and two are. Maybe those two guys flop, you know, spots every once in a while, but realistically, like it's when they get that third option that they are at their absolute best. And that third option can change. Um, but that's, that's obviously a big focus for them. And I, and, and as I think about this team going into to conference play, um, and, Oddly enough, conference play is not that far away. I mean, I realize we're skipping a week because of the holiday and everything, but um, that Boston College ACC opener looking a lot different today than it did a week ago, I can tell you that. Um, but as they go into conference play, that's that's going to be something they really have to figure out, and I think they have to figure it out in a hurry. Um, they need a third score, somebody that they can sort of rely on, um, because Kyle's not going to get that hot as he did at West Virginia in the second half. Now, maybe it evened out a little bit because he was so cold in the first, but realistically, like, you need that third option. I think that's going to be a big focus for them. Overall, my sense is, is that UVA is going to be one of the best maybe four or five teams in the in the league. Do you guys get a sense – do you have a sense yet for where you think UVA is going to be in that pecking order, Ferber? What do, what's your guts tell you about UVA in the ACC this year overall? Yeah, I mean, I think you said fourth – I feel like four, one of the best four or five teams. I think that's yeah. fair, you know? I mean, everybody's looking up at Boston College at this point, so, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they lose a game, maybe one or two. Um, and, hey, and look, they the, keep shooting know, on like the flip that. Side, on the flip side, that Duke-Pitt game, I mean, man, that might be for 15th place. Um, if you look right now, Duke at the bottom of the standing, so obviously I'm kidding. Um, obviously. No, I mean, I think fourth, fifth is pretty fair. I think they were picked sixth in the preseason, right? Um I kind of feel like Louisville's going to have uh, some issues this year, just because um, as many as, as many issues as Rick Pitino had off the court, he's a good basketball coach, and uh, you just turned over the keys to the you know Cadillac to a guy who's never been a head coach. So I think it, when you have to go against coaches like he will in the ACC, um, David Paget, I'm talking about, um, uh, night in night out, you're going against Mike Bray and Bayheim and Bennett and. Um, Shashevsky and Kevin Stallings. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. That was mean. Um, I, I think that it's going to be a challenge. I think they'll be a little up and down. Miami, you know, they're eight and zero, so you know they still haven't played a, a lot of good teams. But you have to be pretty optimistic about where they could end up this year. Um, Carolina and Duke, I think, are probably the class of the league. And then after that, I think UVA can kind of slot in anywhere. Um, other teams. You know, to keep an eye on those guys. Notre Dame, uh, obviously they had a rough week last week, but they're going to be good. Um, Florida State, Miami, like I said. And uh, Virginia Tech obviously has the ability to to be a, a decent team in the ACC this year and, and contend and win games. So um, those teams and then you know maybe a wild card team that we're not really thinking of, like a 
you know, Wade gets it together or, or Syracuse or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a one and two, and then it'll probably be a little bit of a drop-off, and then UVA's in that next group of three, four, five, six, seven, something like that. I think that's that's a fair kind of a – I mean, I, I, I try to think about it in terms of, like, logistics, right? So I look at, at UVA's schedule, and, and I think – we, we sort of touched on this, Ferber and I did, I believe, last week, right? Where the front end of the ACC slate is, what, one, two, three, four? Four of the first five are at home, um, which is important because, you know, Boston College, I mean, look, we can we can kind of joke about that win over They Duke, are improved. But they are improved. And Jim Christian runs good offensive stuff. And you know what? When teams when teams have, have shooters like like Boston College has, they're, they're going to be in games. And people are going to be – People are gonna. There are gonna be a lot of games where teams have overlooked them. Now, maybe that win against Duke does a good job of sort of getting everybody's attention. You know, if they beat Syracuse or Clemson like that, I mean, nobody really cares, right? But realistically, that's a that's a that's an improving Boston College team, and I think that might be the the idea of improving. Like, I expect Boston College to be better than they were. Um, I'm still on the fence a little bit about Tech. I'm not really sure if they're going to be improved compared to where they were um, dramatically or what. Um, I feel we'll know like, on Saturday when they play Kentucky, <laughs> right? Um, at Kentucky for that. Um, I feel like Florida State's going to be better. Um, I feel like um, I really expect NC State to be a lot better, like dramatically better. Like probably, th- I, I, if I had to put, uh, if I had to give you a dark horse for Coach of the Year, Kevin Keats would be on my list, like probably right at the top. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Georgia Tech be better once they get all the pieces straight and organized um so i mean the league is gonna be pretty crazy um and i think we i know we say that nonsense every year but like and i feel like every year i say yeah but this year i mean it like this year it's for real because even the crappy teams that you feel like you could pick up wins against in the past like they're probably not as easy a pushover um and so it's going to be a jumbled mess what do you think dave what's uh what's your gut tell you about sort of the way that uva sort of fits into the acc stack i mean i i feel like we Historically on the podcast, I've always talked about Virginia as kind of their floor versus ceiling thing. Um, I mean, I like this team a lot, but I do think their floor is lower than any team we've had in the, in the last few years. Um, just because there's not there's not a whole lot of experience beyond <clears throat> beyond the guys that you're relying on, and the experience you do have that that could maybe fill in there isn't isn't known for their scoring. So you combine like a little bit lower floor. Uh, maybe maybe significantly lower. We'll see. Um, a lower floor for Virginia versus an, a conference that, as you were just talking about, is it? Look, it's not like I don't think it's so much the bottom teams are gotten a lot better. I just think there's not the elite. the The top isn't as elite as it has been. Um, there's just some bad teams in the ACC, um, but but they aren't as bad compared to the elite as they, as they have been. Who who would you qualify as bad teams? A pit. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think that's Pitt's pretty I, bad, and I think yeah. Wake's pretty bad. Um, and See, I'm not sure what to expect from Wake. I mean, uh, Georgia Tech's bad. I don't think Georgia Tech's going to be that bad. I really don't think they're going to be that bad. I, I think they will be bad, but I don't think they're bad. Even though their record's four and four, or something like that now. Like, they I think Georgia Tech's Grambling going State to be worse. And Wofford. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't sense that Georgia Tech t- team's a team that's going to. Like if they face any more adversity, I think they're going over the cliff. But they have a little good stretch. I could see them turning it around. Um, in Boston College, I would put in that, like right right above the bad. Um, they were lost so much on the deep ball. Like you know, and now that's why I'm talking about Virginia having a lower floor. Virginia relies a lot on it. Um, 
Yeah, Clemson's pretty meh. I mean, yeah, I would put Clemson. They're they're pretty much the same as they always are. But but I feel like like this out of conference has told me so little about what this con- what this conference is. Um, the the Virginia games, we don't really know what Wisconsin's going to be. I think Wisconsin's going to be much better than they are now, but they're not an elite team. You know, we didn't get Seton Hall. There's a lot of question marks about this team for me. Um, VCU. Yeah, VCU is not quite what we thought, but well. They probably are what I thought they were, but it's it's not a huge win. It, it's probably better than some of the other teams in the conference have out of conference so far. That all said, I mean, I like this team. I like the upside of this team. I still don't know that I've that we've had a team in the last few years that has a potential, you know, has a floor as low as this one. And I say that because you know. Kyle Guy, I think we can start classifying Kyle as an elite scorer. A couple more games of consistency, I think I would be pretty comfortable. If he played for Duke and was doing what he's doing, we would all be calling him elite. Uh, so I don't want to frame it in it because he's our guy that maybe we need to be a little harder on him. But what, I, what I'm worried about is now we're inter- getting close to conference play, and we have historically seen that's when Tony's really going to start to play the guys he trusts, right? And I don't think he trusts Nigel yet. But I do think Nigel playing well is part of this team's ceiling. Nigel playing poorly means he's on the bench. Um, so what Nigel brings to the offense, he's kind of lacking on defense. Is Tony going to trust him in big games? Is Ty going to get right? There's there's a few things going on which make me a little less confident in this team entering ACC play than we have been in, say, the last four or five years. Hmm. Let me digest some of that. I think you what your point about that's Kyle, not to say I don't like this team. I no, just no, think no, the floor no, is no. Lower. I think um, two things. I would definitely agree that Kyle is an elite scorer. Um, he's definitely an elite shooter, and the, and the elements he's added to his floor game are are, are important. I wonder. I kind of I kind of want to see more. Um, I, I kind of want to see more of that through the course of the season to say that that's a real thing. The floor stuff, the getting to the rim stuff. Um, because some of those takes he's had early in the, in the season have been very good, very good takes and he's finished and that's great, but they were so perilously close to being not finishes. Does that make sense? Like they were just really close. Um, and I'm curious to see if that's something he can continue to, to do clearly his, his, the added weight for him and the, and the, and the fixing the, the, the fatigue thing, he, he, he is able to go nuclear later in games than maybe in the past used to be that if he didn't hit his first couple shots you knew it was going to be kind of a long night now he can just be instant offense I mean he scored like nine points in like what a minute the other night uh, in Morgantown and I'm not saying he's going to do that on the reg but I mean like the fact that he has that gear um, I I think is is important the other the thing I was um, you, you said something to the effect of like we're we're about that point where 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 Tony starts to shorten the rotation a little bit and sort of get in get get on who he trusts. I really think I I've sort of noticed that he seems like he's having a good time with this team, right? He just seems I don't know how to put I don't know how to put a, my finger on it. I don't want to say he seems happier because that's not the right tone, and I don't want to say he's more energetic. He seems more um, almost like confidently engaged, right? And I wonder if, as we as 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 we watch them go forward and we see what what happens, if it's not necessarily that he shortens the rotation, but that he actually sort of leans on the matchups. I almost wonder if he'll be more apt 
to go to a guy now in spots based on what you know what the conditions are. Um, I really think that Mommy continues to play the way he's playing. He might not get to a place where he's necessarily starting, but he's going to earn a lot of minutes, especially if he continues to be versatile. Um, you know, could he have guarded Ethan Happ that night? I don't know, but he was definitely what they needed in, in Morgantown, and I think he's going to be what they need a lot. The 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 sort of like um, infection point for me is when this team can go small and continue to be good defensively. Um, granted, they're going to be sometimes where they're going to they're not that's not going to be an option. Um, that's the nature of ACC play. You're going to run into teams that have some bigs, like when they play Duke. I mean. How you gonna how you gonna turn uh, slow down Bagley? I, I think you you have to double him, so you're gonna have to have multiple bigs in, right? But I really think that this team's ceiling only gets touched when they're able to play small and able to to be good enough defensively to keep that group on the floor. Uh, and that's that's one of the things as I look at ACC play that's really hard for me to gauge because I just don't know if they'll get there. Um, and they have a they have a, a bunch of options when it comes to quote unquote playing small, but um, that's sort of my um, I don't know that's this sort of my my gut instinct uh, of what we've seen so far from UVA Ferber. What do you feel like you need to see? Is it just that third score? What do you feel like you have to see in order to think Virginia's going to be one of the top two or three teams in the league? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily a third score, but I think I mean it is a third score per se, but more so. I, I want to see one of these guys in the post become like a, an, you know, I don't want to say an elite scorer, but somebody that you can depend on, I guess. Isaiah has obviously throughout his career probably done the most of all these guys. He's shown the most, but, you know, he he tends to disappear sometimes, let's be honest. I mean, offensively. I mean, that's not really where he makes, you know, that's not really his role, or it hasn't been throughout his career, but maybe it needs to be this year. Just, you know, getting them you know, 10 a game or whatever it is, and just being somebody that they can rely on to play well in the post and make free throws. Um, but I think that another candidate for that would be Mamadi. Um, I think Mamadi Diakite, I mean, in that West Virginia game, he showed some assertiveness, and he's, you know, a great athlete. I mean, he can he can post up bigger guys. He, he's athletic enough to shoot over guys. He can make athletic plays around the rim. He's got a little bit of a mid-range game. He can make his free throws. So I think his potential is there. I think if they can unlock that potential this year and get a third score that's in the post, I think that that can really open a lot of things up for this team. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, there's got to be someone who steps up the game by game. I don't know if you have to have the same guy every game. I do like what Mamadi brought in that West Virginia game. It surprised me. That should have been an atmosphere that, well, not should have been, but I think last year that would have been an atmosphere that Mamadi kind of shrugged away, you know, kind of got got intimidated by, and I felt he was in, invigorated by it, which I think has the potential to be a, a very, very good sign for Virginia going forward. The net third score, whether it's Ty getting, you know, getting back to what we saw glimpses of last year, whether it's Isaiah being a little more willing to shoot that elbow jumper or shoot shoot the ball a little more, and whether it's just getting Jack a couple of touches in the in the post, um, I mean, I, I think the concerning thing the last couple of games for me was Virginia was we were getting to the line a lot less the last couple of games going into the exam break, um, and 
getting to the line is going to help this team. Any When you have a team that's limiting opponents to about 50, 52 points a game or something, anytime you get free points on the offensive end, with as well as you're shooting free throws, it's going to help. So being aggressive with the ball and having the right guy aggressive. I love to see Kyle taking the ball to the to the hoop. But, you know, he's he's already shot – I can't remember who posted it today, but um, – Kyle's essentially shot had the same number of two-pointers taken already this year as he did all of last year, which is great. It's another component. Um, but, you know, he shot almost 50% from three last year, and he's down a little bit this year. So it's that whole math thing. Do, do we want him tiring himself out, taking twos? I don't know. So, no, Well, I would sorry, say he has it. to – He the more twos he's you, you able to score, yeah. the better his looks from three will be because at, at times last year – the book was was pretty clear on him. He's already sort of getting to a place where, um, where teams are going to have to do one of two things or both. They're going to have to chase him off the three point line, and that's going to that's going to open up a lot of of opportunities. But also too, they're going to have to put length on him. Um, I, I think you're going to see a lot of teams trying to essentially take their DeAndre Hunter and put put that guy on Kyle, um, and that should help two things. One, if if Dre's in the game, that would be typically the guy that would guard him. Um, I, so the more the more UVA gets from him, the, obviously the better it's going to be. But then too, I think it really frees Devin up to get to continue to get to the lane, and I think that is going to be a huge storyline, sort of as they go forward. Um, you know, yeah. But sorry, go ahead. no, I was going to say I just think that as I look at the as I look at the sort of long term of this team, I I, I don't want to give it an incomplete. Um, because, but I do feel like there's just a, a number of questions I don't I don't know answers to right now. I don't know what to expect from Dre on a regular basis. I don't know if Mamadi's recent uh, uptick is a consistent trend line or if it's a blip. I don't know whether Nigel is um, kind of fighting through some of the just growing pains of being in a new system and, and having a coach who is still learning um, you and you learning them uh, and his system. Um, and I'm not really sure what's going on with Ty. I don't. We've had a twenty-some minute discussion here about basketball, and quite frankly, I think one of the keys to UVA season is going to be Ty figuring it out. Like he has to be better, um, especially in tight situations, than he was with the ball at West Virginia. And I don't want to make that game some sort of indictment on on his potential or anything like that. I just think, in terms of what Virginia needs from him, they need a lot more than what the Cavaliers got in Morgantown. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean the. Uh... That was kind of what I was going to bring up. I think there's three guys that kind of dictate how high the ceiling is. and um, Mamadi wouldn't be on my three, believe it or not. I kind of think we know what he is, and he brings enough defensively, even when he's not an offensive weapon, with his springiness and his shot blocking, to be an asset regardless. Uh, I think it's how Hunter adapts to playing you know, against tougher opponents in the ACC. It's how Ty recovers I've always kind of given Ty a pass in games against non-elite competition because I, I do think he plays down a little bit uh, when when you're playing, like, say, say a Grambling. I don't think Ty, Ty's a guy who uses his emotional component to, to activate his athletic abilities. Uh, but West Virginia was kind of a, a head-scratcher. He, he was bad down the stretch. Uh, um, and then Nigel. So it's Dre, Ty, and Nigel, and it's – is there some point where I think right now Tony's, and I hate to say this because I don't know what Tony's thinking, but it feels like Tony's playing Ty a lot based on what he saw of Ty last year. 
versus what he doesn't know about Nigel. And at some point, does Ty get better where that's not an issue, or is or does Nigel gain the confidence to take those minutes away? One of those two things I think has to happen for Virginia to hit their ceiling. And then Dre, Dre's gravy to me. If you if Dre hits his potential this year, this team who knows what the top end is. But I think those three guys are going to tell the story this season. Ferber, I'll give you the last word. Uh, whatever you're thinking. I mean, just, chime, just <laughs> yeah. rattle off some stuff. You said it all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with the, the point guard thing needs to kind of hash itself out. But I'm not too worried about that. I think both of those guys are capable, and they'll figure it out. Um, y- you have other guys in the backcourt that can pick them up as well. I agree with a lot of what Dave said. I think that they have some bench guys with high potential that you know you don't really have to count on to be necessarily primary scorers or guys that you look to a lot. But you know if they can if they can have a few flashes here and there and and provide a spark in some games, you know that that's a huge plus, especially in ACC play where you know a few bench points here and there from somebody can really you know make a huge difference in a game. Um, I'm honestly, I mean, you know, we talked a lot about you know what we think of this team I, I honestly like th- this is how i feel about it we they have some questions that need to be answered but they're gonna be fine they're gonna be good this year um i've seen enough already to to feel pretty confident that they'll at least be as good as they were last year and then i think that they have enough offense now to where they won't have that late season swoon um i think they'll be one of the four or five best teams in the league uh, i think they'll they'll jump up and get one of the top two teams here and there maybe north carolina at home um you know, they might drop a few games here and there, but the fact that they went to West Virginia and played pretty well and, and went toe-to-toe with that team in the second half says a lot to me. Um, going up to New York and, and taking care of a good Rhode Island team uh, says a lot to me. Going on the road to VCU, you know, for their Super Bowl, basically, and, and beating them says a lot. And, I mean, it's a long season, but I, I feel pretty confident that it, when it's all said and done, we'll be looking at another you know, UVA team trying to get a double buy in the ACC tournament, trying to get a top, you know, four, three, four seed in the NCAA tournament and a team that we feel like can get to the final four. Um, I don't think this team will go that far, but I think that the potential is there for them to be seeded in a way where you never know. I mean, South Carolina made it to the final four last year, so anything's possible. I think that's a, a good place to put a pin in it. Uh, want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show as always really appreciate your um, uh, continuing to, to give us a listen. Um, we've been 234 of these, which every, every week blows my mind. I uh, want to obviously thank Dave and, and Justin for giving graciously of their time as always really appreciate you guys um, doing me a solid and, and being on this fine program um, again. So for uh, David Spence, Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of catscorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.